You're recording. Here we go. This is Vayigash 572. Our class today is dedicated by Ruchi Ackerman, Eloy Nishmas Rachel Baschana Shmuel, her mother in law. Shandy Shapiro is dedicating Eloy Nishmas, her father, Yishai Ben Rav Yitzchak Moshe Hakohen, whose yard site is Vav Teves. Debbie Seidel wishing Shabtai Avram Ben Italeya a very happy 76th birthday with health, happiness, and Yura Shamayim. Okay, here we go. Why is the light blinking there? I don't understand it. Okay, sometimes it does it by accident. All right, here we go. The subject of our class, the subject of our class today is not the big on the Yosef moment. We have talked about that in the past many times. We have, we, the Royal We, have um, taken for ourselves this year a project was to, which is to evaluate and say for Bracious all the Navuas, because as we have been learning, the Navuas are fundamental, key, vital messages to our Avos and Imahos that become incorporated deeply into the mindset of the Jewish people. Every one of these Navuas is always informing our Avos and Imahos something absolutely vital to, who, to knowing who we are, how we are supposed to think about life, how we're supposed to uh, understand their situation, how we're supposed to operate. That's what the Nebulas are teaching the others. That's why they're the founders. They're not Moshe Rabbeinu, who brings down Torah Fisher mind, but they, they are the ones who establish the foundational ideas of Judaism, how we see the world, how we, how we go through life. So this Nebulas that we're focusing on today is the Nebulas that Yaakov gets as he's about to go from Eretz Yisrael, it's not called Eretz Yisrael yet, into Mitzrayim to start the goal. So in this Nebulas, we're not going to go through every single word. We're going to pick out a few key words and we're going to focus on one, which is a raid. Okay, we'll get there. But in this Nebuah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling Yaakov exactly how the Jewish people are supposed to understand Golas, how we're supposed to think about it, how we're supposed to view ourselves in Golas, how we're supposed to understand Hashem in Golas, how we're supposed to get through Golas. It's all already built into this Nebuah. All right? So here we go. Are we ready? We are ready. So look in chapter 46, starting in Pasuk Aleph. Okay. Mem Vav Aleph. Vayisa Yisrael. Notice the name is Yisrael. Okay. Vayisa Yisrael v'chol asherlo v'yavo Beersheva. Comes to Beersheva. He is officially called Yisrael. You know what Yisrael means as opposed to Yaakov. Yisrael represents the Jewish people when we have completely finished our historical mission we have circ- we have prevailed our ideology has prevailed our ideology has ultimately influenced the world and we are recognized as the people that have struggled against every competitive competing um kind of a, um a suggestion about how to live life and our understanding of our connection to Hashem, our mitzvahs, that sort of framework that has prevailed. So Yisrael is about to go into Golas, meaning we enter into Golas knowingly, right? And it's in order to go through the process that is must happen, it's built in, in order to become Yisrael. This is the goal of it. This is all leading to Yisrael. Now, we are going to uh, spend a little time on this, but we're really getting the emphasis is going to be section D of today's class. Okay, so section A, he gives Zavachim and he gives Zavachim to Eloke Aviv Yitzchak. Number one, 
Zevachim, there are many types of karbanos. A zevach is under the category of what is called shlamim. Shlamim comes from the root shalom. Look at the Ramban. He indicates that the Noahides, up until you get to Yaakov, no one has ever given a shlamim, only in Ola, the difference. In Ola is like what the Akedah Sitzchak was, totally burned to God, meaning total devotion to God, total sub, uh, deference to God. Really, we don't exist. Really, it's a Kaddish Baruch Hu's world. Really, we don't have a separate self. That's sort of a fiction that we get to experience for a time being in our physical you know, stage of life, but really, it's all part of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Okay, we, we and we express that with the tamid every daily in the base of Mikdash twice a day. It's a carbon ola, it goes totally up. But in our being part of a Kaddish Baruch, Hu, the reality is that Hashem did create a physical reality in which we find ourselves and in which there's a historical process unfolding in which we are discovering that Kaddish Baruch Hu's presence in everything in the physical world. And the concept of a shlamim, as Rambam says, is totally new, Ramban. In the, to the Noahides, to those that lived after the Mabel, to those who were not yet, who did not embrace the Abrahamic ideas, the only relationship to the gods is total self-negation, an Ola. But what Yaakov's indicating here with a shlamim, that a zevach is part of a shlamim, is saying shalom. In other words, we are in a partnership. There is a relationship between God and us. We need to go through this experience called Gullus because in partnership with God, Hashem is going to use our experience and eventually the Geula to show the world the great truths. So we are now in partnership with God. The difference between an Ola and a Shlomim is an Ola is totally burnt, but a Shlomim is partially burnt and partially the giver eats it. This is a partnership. Can you imagine in a pagan society where the offerer, the person offering the carbon to God eats from God's carbon? It's unheard of. It's, it's, it's the essence of, of, um, of arrogance and chutzpah. You eat from the sacrifice that you're giving to the gods? Who, do you, who are you? That's what a shalom is. We also eat from it. That's why it's called shalom. It brings shalom between everybody. Yes, we participate and eat from the sacrifice to God. The message here is we know ourselves as partners and in our relationship to Hashem, we're going to go through this experience in order to teach the world a lesson. The ultimate lesson of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and the immortal words of Rabbi Sachs, Zechon Levracha, the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim comes back to Perak Aleph and Bereshis, Selim Elokim. It is a divine protest against the devaluation, the humanization of human beings, the, the, the prohibition, the, 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 the um, tyranny of one person not allowing another person to be a Selim Elokim, to be a creator, to express themselves. Okay? This is the ultimate sin. Judaism is founded on the message that every human being is a Tzalmolakim. Every human being created, Paragalif, the human race, nothing to do with Jews, is a Tzalem Elokim. And to, and to violate that is the ultimate sin. And the Jewish story begins with that message. And we're going into the world to bring that message to the world. And by the way, today, three and a half thousand years older, oh, three and a half thousand years later, Mazel Tov, the world is finally waking up to this message. Okay, about uh, about the the violation of uh, human rights and exploitation and dehumanization of other people. We've been there a very, 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 very long time. That has been who we are. And Yaakov gives a a, a carbon saying, "I am your partner. 
We're doing this willingly. We're entering into Golas. We know this is Hashem will teach the world these great lessons through Am Yisrael. That's how it's going to be. And he gives this Karbanas, Aviv Yitzchak, to the God of his father Yitzchak, again, indicating, remember, that Yitzchak is always associated with Gavura. When Yitzchak says, tie me tighter, Yitzchak is saying, I don't have a separate self. And Yaakov is saying, I know that we are, we are living in this balance. We're really part of your self-expression, Hashem. That's what we are. But in being part of your self-expression, we must go through physical experiences to bring these ideas, your truths to the world. But we cannot get lost. We cannot get lost or we cannot drown in the perception that pervades the world that we are in our own separate space. We always have to remember Yitzchak's concept, concept that we're really part of something bigger. We can never let ourselves forget that we're part of something greater and end up in survival mode, which is that we just look around at what we see and that becomes a reality and that becomes what we react to and that's that, all right? So he's already establishing this context. Now, as you're seeing already, we cannot appreciate these ideas if we do not have the correct definition of the words. We have to know what a zevach is. We have to know what a shlamim is. We have to know what it means when it says elokei Yitzchak, this, the, the uh, understanding that Yitzchak had of his relationship to God. These, all these words must have true definitions in order for their ideas to make sense to us and to help us know what we're learning. So really what we're doing now is we are making sure that we understand these words. We are focusing on language on the meanings of the words, because the meanings of the words, they, they create our, our constructs. All right. So now what happens is, Vayomer Elohim li Yisrael, Elohim, which is Teva, right? We know that's the meaning of Elohim. It's like what goes on in the physical world. Elohim says to Yisrael, notice this language, Bimare Halayla, in a vision of the night, Vayomer, and he says twice, Yaakov, separation, with a line, sick Yaakov. What just happened? By Yomer Elohim le Yisrael, stop. Bemare Halayla, stop. Yaakov, Yaakov. The Pasuk is telling us something. Hashem, who is the God of it, is so the name Elohim is what we associate with the physical world and how things play out in the physical realm. That is that Akadosh Baruch Hu is speaking to Yisrael, saying, Yisrael. We're going now into a situation that's going to play out in the physical realm, okay? Bemare Lila, look at the Ha'amak Davar. Bemare Lila in a vision of the night. Now, Yaakov is in Beersheva. The Amak Davar says, Be'etzam Hayom. It was the middle of the day, but he appeared to him in a vision of the night, meaning he was, Elohim was saying to Yisrael, it's the middle of the day. But I am now going to give you a visualization of, an, of the nighttime, the gullus, all right? When you will not see my clear intervention and my clear revelation to you. I'm giving you a nighttime vision. You're gonna get a vision of gullus. And in that you are being called Yaakov, Yaakov because the word Yaakov means Akev. It's we know that Yaakov is always the name associated with the journey through Gullus. 
So Elohim is saying, in this ultimate journey and process to becoming Israel, you're going to go through a nighttime experience where I'm not going to be so, so, so clear and evident to you. And I'm going to show you that. And you're going to embrace, you're going to live through the name Yaakov. And that double lush on Yaakov, Yaakov implies, Chazal say, love, urgency, but the psik, the psik, that line between the two, which we will get back to remember this in a few parshas, because by Moshe, there's no psik between. That Yaakov, the shefa, the hashpa that flows, the ideas, the divine influence that change that that influences the way we see things the torah the ultimate ideas the um the the truths which is one of them we're learning here that flow to us okay in the yaakov realm there's some sort of division in other words we don't receive all of that shefa all of that hashba from a kadosh in a state of gullus there's a there's a there's a um a, a, a separate what's the word a, a interruption meaning he's over the, the way the pasuk is already constructed is telling us about the gullus that it's going to be considered nighttime you're not going to get such clarity there's not going to be that sort of shefa flow of nevua that's full that's like that's um uninterrupted flow of ideas there's going to be a interruption that there's going to be a difficulty in the gullus of knowing how to see things, knowing how to see things correctly, of having clarity, of being enlightened and influenced by truths, it's going to be more difficult. As you know, in the gullus, who were the ones that had a more clarity, more understanding of how to see things, more bina, more insight in how to see things in the darkness of the gullus? The women, 100%. Okay, now the Ramban says, okay, look here. He called him Yaakov, Yaakov. It would have been be proper that Hashem called him by the glorious name, Yisrael. Okay. And so he is indeed mentioned by Yisrael three times in this section. However, he called him Yaakov in order to hint that now he will not contend with God and men. In other words, the name Yisrael. He will not necessarily always prevail openly, as the name Yisrael indicates. But he will be in the house of bondage until Hashem will bring him up again. Since the exile now begins with him, okay, so he's saying this is the beginning of the Gullish, and he's telling him, you're going to experience the name Yaakov, the part of the journey that's going to lead to Yisrael, okay? Now, here is, then there's the next Pasuk, do not be afraid. Um, from going down to Egypt, I will make you a great nation there. We're not going to focus on this Pasuk. But this is the message is do not be afraid. This is all purposeful. You're going to you're going to make it through despite the bitterness. You're going to become much greater through this process. But now let's really hone in on the next words. And the next idea is um, is, is very subtle. It's, it's nuanced, is profound. It's the secret weapons insight. And it really helps us frame what we're actually always doing here. And the way we're going to understand the next Pasuk is by analyzing the words A-Raid, Imcha, I'm going to go down with you. We're going to understand Unkelis. And we're going to understand that Rambam showing us what Unkelis is doing. And we're going to under begin to work with the idea of language. Language changes. 
the way our understanding of what basic words mean begins to diminish. And we're gonna understand that the gullus, part of the gullus, the, in fact, perhaps maybe the, the, most, um, the, the most internal aspect of the gullus when we, is and not, the national gullus, but also the personal gullus, is when we don't really understand anymore what basic Torah words even mean. When the words we use in our religious discourse lack meaning, we're going to see, we're going to focus on meanings of words themselves. And what I mean here is like this. And, you know, I teach in high school. I teach in a seminary, Hasidic seminary, I teach in Shalamas High School. One of the, one of the um, disturbing, and I guess this is the gullus, things that I see a lot is that words are used. And clearly the people using the words have no idea what the words mean. And therefore their conception their religious conception of what how things are in the <laughs> doesn't make any sense. For example, you might hear a sentence like this. Okay. Um, so if I'm so if my yetsahara, okay, it makes me do an avera. So Hashem will send me to Gehenna because He's angry at me. So I say, stop. What does yetsahara mean? What does Gehenna mean? What does Hashem angry at me mean? Like, what do the words even mean? So let's do an exercise. I just did this recently with my class. What do you mean by the word neshama? <clears throat> no idea. Very vague. What's a bracha? Oh, Hashem, you should be blessed. What does the Yitzhar mean? What does it even mean? What does, what is the word, um, what is the word, um, seichel? what is the word, what is the word, shechina um, mean? What does the word melech mean? We spend so much time in this class defining words. We know, for example, that bracha means my awareness of you should expand, barachata. We know, for example, that yetzahara means that when we cause our thinking process to malfunction, we form out of our mind something broken. We know that when we say melach, we mean the seichel hashofeya, the inf God's ideas that influence the way we think. We know that when we say tselem elokim, we're talking about a person who is a creator. There are so many words that are used that have no meaning, and therefore the whole vision makes no sense. The whole understanding of Judaism makes no sense because the words have lacked definition. They lack co actual co correct definition. We here, Tanya, thank you. We worked hard on the Milim chart, which anyone who's listening, if you want our Milim chart, our glossary of terms, what things actually mean so that we can speak the same language, you can email us also estwin at gmail. And um, so what we're, we're going to learn about this here, it's really a terrible form of gullus when a religious person is using religious terminology that makes no sense. Okay. <clears throat> For example, we, I just, somebody just sent me a clip and no, no judgments here. I love Ben Shapiro, but he was saying something. He was making a joke about COVID and he used the following phraseology. He said, there's Yiras Shemayim and Yiras Hashem. There isn't. There's Yerushalayim and Ava Hashem. And I just taught an Arachayim yesterday from Veschana, where he says that there's a big difference between Yerah and Ava, two words. Think about it. Just think about this. When you, we frame our Jewish religion in terms of a servant and a master, which we're going to get into in the whole Mitzrayim thing and Yetzirah Mitzrayim and servants and masters, but you have a master and you have a servant. The relationship is fear, meaning 
I'm completely helpless. You, you, you dictate, right? The servant feels you dictate everything. You, you control my food. If I'm going to live or die, if I'm going to freeze or be warm, if I have shelter, I mean, I'm helpless, right? So I'm going to keep you happy, but you, I'm your slave. You also have an obligation. You need to give me food, clothing, shelter. I mean, that's the contract. In a fear-based relationship, the Archim says, there's no place for love, let alone gratitude. And yet we talk about having being a servant to Hashem. And then we talk about Ahava. Servants don't need to love or be grateful at all for their masters. It's not that sort of relationship. So how do we talk about Eved, being an Eved, and then layer on, and you should be so thankful to Hashem, and you should be so grateful to Hashem, when the content is, well, what do you mean? I'm stuck in Hashem's world. I didn't even ask to be here. I, there's all these mitzvahs that if I don't keep them, I could go to Gehenna, whatever that means. And, and, uh, and so I have to. So how am I supposed to love and appreciate that? So somehow you, we talk about being an Eved and layering on Ahava, and it all makes no sense. And we try to put it all together. Maybe we need a new definition for Eved. Like Moshe was an Eved Nemon. Maybe if we understand the relationship to HaKadosh Baruch there were not helpless, pathetic servants that Hashem just decided to create because he was bored or something, I don't know, but rather we're partners with HaKadosh Baruch as Yaakov is recognizing, and HaKadosh Baruch runs the world through us and will reveal himself to the world through Am Yisrael ultimately, and we get to participate in that, and that's a privilege, and the mitzvahs just help us find ourselves and form ourselves and construct ourselves into that sort of partner with God, then there's room for love. And then there's room for appreciation. And then when we talk about Eved, like Moshe, like my grandfather says, it's not a, oh, that sort of servant. It's I'm so much in awe of the role I get to play that I handcuff myself to Kaddish Baruch and I throw away the key. I'm in your service. It's totally different, but you need a proper definition for Eved. Everything needs definitions, and there's a form of gullus, which is disconnect from our homeland, so to speak, is when Torah terminology doesn't even make any sense, and we use it anyway. We don't even know what we're saying, and we talk about words and ideas that we can't even define, literally can't even define. I gave my girls an exercise to define what does it mean, your neshama? What is, it, what is your relation with Hashem? What do you mean, olam haba? No clue. And it's you, what's the eight Sahara? Like, okay. So let's go into this is actually expressed in the Pesukim right here that this is going to happen. This is one of the most subtlest but but important understandings of what can happen in Gullus and what we have to do to redeem ourselves from, from Gullus. Okay. So the Pasuk says, um, I'm going to go down with you, Mitzrayim, to Mitzrayim. And I'm going to bring you up. Okay, it's just that it's not going to last forever. Gam alo. I'm going to go back to that word soon. But Yosef and Yosef will close your eyes. Okay, we're going to do a study of Unculus. This is a technical study right here, but it begins to show us how precise Unculus and Rambam, the Mepharshim, particularly Unculus, are in every word they say. Don't forget, Unculus is not really translation. It's a translation and the explanation of Pirush at the same time. <laughs> Built into the translation is the Pirush. Okay. So Unculus says, Ana achos imach. Now the word achos means literally go down. All right. When it says, Anochi eired imach, imcha, I'm going to go down with you. Unculus says, go down. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't, does Hem physically goes down? What, Hashem is everywhere. What does that mean, go down? 
Well, let's look at how Onkelis translates that word in an other context. So when you look at Bereshus 18.21 by Sodom, Hashem says, er, na. I'm going to go down and I'm going to see what's going on with all this screaming I'm hearing from Sodom. Now, obviously, Hashem cannot go from one place to another place. Hashem is not a solid or a liquid or a gas that moves from here to here. The whole concept of movement is, is a tricky concept when it comes to Kaddish Baruch Hu. So Onkel is here, and there's a nice whole long explanation of Ramban that we just don't have time to go into, but in a nutshell, the Rambam here, right, said, points out that Onkelis here says, look at the word Erdana, look in the Onkelis, what does Onkelis say? You see the, the bold word? Under 1821, it says Erdana, and then go down after the English, it says Iskali. What, what root do you see in that word? Legalo. So Onkelis says, I will be revealed. I will be revealed, this Giloi. I will be manifested. I will, the world will see my interaction in this case, which is what happened with Sodom. Okay, so Erda here means iskali, I'm going to be revealed. Look by Matan Torah. Hashem al Hahar. Hashem came down on the mountain. What does Uncle say? Iskali, I was revealed. What is going on now in Yaakov's Nevoah? which is a nighttime vision in the middle of the day, meaning he's getting a vision, a message about nighttime, darkness. When we talk about darkness, we mean here that Hashem is not revealed. We understand, and we've learned this too, that, that when we go into Gullis and Hashem goes dark, it's so we begin to see, so that our pupils begin to dilate. It's the darkness where we, we learn to see. Right, we've learned this many times. We bring the Gemara in Sota, yeah, I'm sorry, Numa, that Esther is referred to as the dawn because the dawn is the end of the Nisa, is the end of the night, just like Hester Panim, Gallus, is the end of the Nisa, meaning there's a form of dawn, the rising of the internal sun that comes when Hashem, so to speak, goes dark. And that's part of the Gallus. Through the darkness, where we don't see Hashem clearly, we begin to be able to see, learn to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu, um, you know, operating, especially, of course, with the Geula, we see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a different way through our own perception. We begin to really have to work hard to see it, and it comes from us. The understanding comes from us. <laughs> so why, so right here, Onkelis is not in our Pasuk when it says, Anochi Eredimach, Onkelis is not saying, I will be revealed. So the fact that Uncle says, I'll actually just go down, he doesn't translate the word. He just gives it its, its Aramaic translation. He doesn't give it a pirush. He just says, I'm going to go down, which means we don't know what that means. That's what it means. What do you mean? what are we, so what are we supposed to do with that? We don't know what that means. What does it mean Hashem will go down? He doesn't explain it. He says, I'm going to go down. Rambam is going to tell us, we're going to see now in the Mora, that he's so in awe of how, what, what Uncle just did. Uncle is telling us, you're going into Gullus. So even the concept of Hashem going down, you're, I can't define it. I can't explain it. I can't say Hashem is being revealed. I'm just going to say he's going down, which means it's not, it's not even, part of Gullus is not, is losing the ability, okay, to even define words. 
to even fully define the words themselves, to even be able to say that going down means being revealed. I can't even say that because the essence of Gullus is that Kodesh Baruch was with you somehow, but you can't see it clearly. I can't even define the word and say iskale. I can't even say you'll be, you'll, Hashem will be revealed. In my pirish, I'm already indicating that there's a lack, there's a diminution of Hashem's clear self-revelation. I can't even translate the word. Does this make sense? Look at Rambam. Unkelis the Ger, who is thoroughly acquainted with Hebrew and Chaldaic languages, made it his task to oppose the belief in God's corporeality. In other words, he never wanted to say that Hashem did physical things like move from place to place. He never did that. That's why he always said going down means being revealed. He didn't want to say physically means Hashem is going down. He was opposed to speaking about Hashem in, you know, in human language. Accordingly, any expression employed in the Torah in reference to God and in any way implying corporeality, he paraphrases, he changes it in consonance with the context. All expressions denoting any mode of motion, such as going down, okay, are explained to him, by him to, to mean the appearance or manifestation of a certain light, Shekhinah, that has been created for the occasion, meaning some sort of revelation of Hashem. That's how he always does it. In other words, the Shechina, the divine presence, or her providence. Thus, he paraphrases and he gives examples. Vayeret Hashem in 1911, the world, the Hashem will manifest himself. And God came down and Hashem manifests himself. And he does not say, and God came down physically. And in Boratius, the passage we just quoted, I will go down now and see. He paraphrases, I will manifest myself now and see. This is his rendering of the verb Yarad. He went down when used in reference to God throughout his version, meaning throughout his whole Pirush of the whole Torah, with the exception of the following passage. I will go down a raid with you into Egypt, which he renders literally a remarkable proof of this great man's talents, the excellence of his version, meaning his Pirush, and the correctness of his interpretation. By this version, he discloses us an important principle as regards prophecy, is what Heshi explains here, because Rambam's not clear. But what's really going on here is that Rambam is saying the fact that he didn't translate it shows how deeply he understands the Pasuk. That in this case, because it's Golos, because it's a Marilila, and because we're going into that situation, he's telling us in Golos, you won't even necessarily be able to see the revelation of a Baruch Hu. I just have to tell you that Hashem is down there with you. But what that means, it's not, it, it's, it's, um, it's not something you can point to or pinpoint or say like by Harsinai or by Sodom, oh, you see Hashem. You'll know Hashem is there, but it won't be revealed. And, I, and, that, and, and, uh, and he implies that. Keep going. And the narrative begins, Hashem spoke unto Yisrael in the vision of the night and said, Yaakov, Yaakov. I'm going down with you to Egypt, seeing, this is what he's explaining Uncleus. Why did Uncleus do this? Seeing that the whole narrative is introduced as a vision of the night, Uncleus did not hesitate to translate it literally. The words addressed to Yaakov in the nocturnal vision and thus gave a faithful account of the occurrence. He's telling you what Hashem, how Hashem spoke to Yaakov and in Yaakov's Nevoah, he didn't see the, uh, he did he was being, he was, seeing rather that he would not see the re revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. All right. And um, 
And he explains that this is what Yaakov understood in the vision, that he would not see HaKadosh Baruch Hu clearly in goals. Okay? As opposed to how it was. Now, what happens? As we were saying before, part of the Golis is that our ability to clearly um, understand the constructs of Judaism and to understand the, and see HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's also going into Golis. That's obvious. That's part of a personal Golis. So what constitutes Geula? What constitutes Geula? Okay. Geula would be when we, in our personal Geula and in our national Geula, when we truly absorb the true meanings of the words of the Torah. And think about Pesach, and this is Heshi, the secret weapons observations. You know the Pesach is the Geula. The word Pesach, you all have heard this, can be divided into Pesach. It's about speaking. It's about your mouth. Your mouth comes into play. You start being able to speak. Speak what? Language that is accurate and that reveals a Kodesh Baruch Hu. You don't only get to speak your true spiritual needs, which you couldn't speak as a slave, deeper than that. You get to define words correctly. That takes you out of Gullus when you have actual correct definitions to Torah language. So he points out here, the whole of Pesach is about speaking, the Haggadah, la Hagid, Sipur Yetzias Mitzrayim. We learn on Pesach, whoever increases and does more and more Sipur Hareza Meshubach, that is so valuable. Talk more, talk more. It's all about speaking. All right. Think about it. Even, um, even, um, even here, if you go back to Unkelis, all right, in Shemos, when it says Vayera Elokim Espinesol, Vayeda Elokim, in the very beginning, the first indication of the Geula starting, where Hashem looks at Amishol, so to speak, and sees their suffering. Look what Unkelis immediately does. Vayera Elokim Hashem looks, look at Unkelis. Gli Kadam Hashem. Hashem starts, it is revealed. Suddenly, revelation is, is coming back into place. Okay. It's in Shmos 2.25. Uncleus immediately goes and says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw, there's a revelation starting again. All right. Now, here is, um, we, when, we, um, when we sit at the Seder, okay, when we talk about the Geula, we start going and undoing this gullus of language. We speak about it. We just said Haggadah, Sipor, Kol the more, the merrier. Okay. Um, now think about how this Haggadah is set up. They take the whole thing, the whole, um, the, all the Pesukim about Arami, Oved, Avi. And what do we do? We go word for word and we start defining the words. Remember, we start defining the words, word by word. And that's the part everyone kind of rushes through. But what we're doing at Pesach is we're going back to the Pesukim and saying, what do these words mean? For example, what is a Yad Chazaka? Remember what it says? <coughs> What's a Yad Chazaka? It starts defining it. Remember this? Harbo, a sword. And you start, wait, what does that mean? What does it mean? Akadosh Baruch a sword. Then it talks about Harbo Shluf over Yerushalayim. You start saying, what do these words mean? Even the translations that Chazal are giving us need translations. But for example, we say, Hashem says, Ani Velo Malach. Who's going to come and redeem you? Ani Velo Malach. Okay. 
And what we're doing here is, is we're saying just like Yaakov in this Mare Lila, I didn't mention this in the beginning, he clearly wasn't getting a the most clearest version of Navua. He was getting a much more cloudy version, which is referred to as a Malach. Here in the Geula, the Kodesh Baruch says, no more Malach, now clarity, Aniva lo Malach, okay? Instead of a Mare Lila, the Kodesh Baruch Hu reveals himself self Bemora Godel, Everything, what we're, we're, there's many examples of how we are, Akadosh Baruch was telling us that phrase of the cloudiness and the confusion, that's going to come to an end. There's going to be open giloy. The language is going to be restored. Your ability to express truths in correct Torah language is going to be restored. You're going to get the meanings of your, of your words back, so to speak. That's part of the gula. Okay. Going, look at, look, go to the bottom here. This, we're, the, under G, where it talks about the, where it's called the ultimate love, okay? The Torah to me, where it brings down a measure, says, Anochi Eret Imach. Let's go into these words carefully. I'm going to go down with you. Uncle says, somehow, some way, without you seeing it, you need to know that I'm down there with you, okay? The trans, the, the explanation is Malami that teaches us now we need a definition for the word Shechina. When the Jews went to Mitzrayim, the Shechina was with them. It doesn't, again, you might not see, there's no giloy of a Kaddish Baruch Hu that you can point to. That's what Gullus is. But the Shechina is with you. Now, what does this mean? We learned what the word Shechina means. When we did Rambam, and we did it so many times, I didn't put it in the notes. Mor Nevuchim, 351. 352. Rambam puts a whole bunch of words together. He says, the link that connects us to God is the seichel, the hashofea, the divine intellect, the divine ideas that flow to us, overflow to us, and influence the way we think. And this flow of ideas is called by Rambam the melech, the melech is the Seichel HaShofea Aleinu. And then he calls it the Shechina. He says the Shechina that is always around us, hovering around us. And also he says, he calls, he talks about this Melech, Shechina, Seichel HaShofea, that it's Dovok, it's clinging and it's hovering. The muscle we use, all right, in the, to, to kind of visualize it is the cord the umbilical cord, which at one part of it is attached to us, but it hovers above us. It goes all the way up to the placenta slash shamayim, okay? Let's go back to that image for a minute. This is what the Ramam calls the shechina. The shechina is knowing that wherever you are, okay, ideas, truths, all right, are, be, are being conveyed into your mind, into your perspective, okay? Now, Think about the muscle. The placenta is full of nutrients, blood, everything flowing through the placenta. But the umbilical cord is a very narrow little cord. Obviously, everything in the placenta cannot instantaneously dump itself into us. It has to trickle down slowly according to the needs of the baby at that moment, and uh, that day. And as it trickles slowly, day by day, the baby grows. So too, this, the ideas that form our perspective called the Seichel HaShofea, they come to us in a trickle. They come to us day by day. They come to us to the degree that we can absorb them, all right? 
Now, sometimes when those ideas flow directly into our mind in a state of nevuah, the Navi, depending on many different states of nevuah, they get these visions of these great truths and it fills up their minds. And then they find, as we learned, Misholim to convey these ideas to people. That would be clear, like awareness of the Melech, clear attachment to the Melech. But what about the Shechina that's going into Golos? What if we're not getting a clear flow of great ideas in a state of Navua? What if that's not Golos? That's, that's Geula. What's Golos? Golos is when these ideas, okay, whether we are aware that they're entering our mind and changing our perspective, they surround us. They're like the oxygen all around us. They're hovering above us and they're also attached, meaning just in existence, we are going to be able through how life unfolds, how the story unfolds, we're going to be able to discover these great ideas. They're, so to speak, everywhere, all right? They might not enter our head in like a moment of blinding epiphany, but they're constantly surrounding us so that we begin to become aware of them in a sort of natural way, but not in a clear revelation. Now, this is what goes on. This is really Gullah's life. Think about Gullah's life. There's no clear and obvious blinding nevuah. But when we realize, for example, something as basic as the miracle of Jewish survival through all the ages, it becomes very apparent and obvious to us that there's something going on here. There is the shechina, meaning Hashem's truths are with us. They're discoverable. They're become evident with time and observation that there's certain realities that are, that are just in place that we can know. And that shechina and that ability to draw those ideas into us and have those ideas form the way we think, that is always available to us. You know, for example, of course, there was the shechina came down in its, in its ultimate force on Harsina, right? And then to a smaller degree in the base of English. But you know, for example, you've learned Perke Avos, 10 people sitting around and there's divrei Torah between them, the Shechina is there. And then Chazal say, even one person learning Torah, the Shechina is there. Meaning even when you're not getting a direct message from God in a trance-like state of Nevoah, you can draw these, the, these ideas that are hovering everywhere straight into our minds. And that means the Shechina is with us. And don't forget what the word Shechina means. Shechina means shochein, to dwell. So we always think that Hashem is dwelling in us, and that's what we're talking about. We can cause these ideas to enter our minds and to, and to form our perspective. But it also means shochein. We are dwelling in the greater reality of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. So we're, we're dwelling in right the mother, so to speak, but we don't see that in Gola so clearly. But what we do have all the time is the ability to draw these ideas into us, just like by osmosis. The Shechina is like everywhere, and by osmosis, we're able to absorb ideas. Remember, Shechina, Ramam is defining, is Seichel HaShofea, these ideas that influence us. And now in order to be influenced by these ideas, we have to learn them, to learn Torah. But look what he says. So the Shechina goes with us into Golas. We are never disattached. Our connection is not ever fully interrupted. It is, the Amishol is able to attach these, to these ideas no matter what situation we're in and to absorb them, internalize them. Now, what about this? gam alo. What, are the, what is that? I will bring you up. What does gam alo mean? And I also, 
come up. I will bring you up. Gam alo. So first on Anochia Elcha, Melamed, Kesha Alu Yisrol Mimitzrayim, Alsa Shechina Imahem. What does that mean? When Amishol came up out of Mitzrayim, the Shechina came up with them. So of course, simply it means we are always with the Shechina. But we said that the Shechina means the godly ideas that are out there, and by osmosis, we, 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 if we choose, we draw them in. And then we come out of Mitzrayim into a greater state of Geula, into a greater state of clarity, into a more lucid awareness of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. And the Shechina comes up to what, what does it mean? It mean now, and we're going to explain it based on the next Pasuk. And it's also going to help us on the next Bracha, which is going to help us understand that those two words, Gam Alo. The idea here is the following. A Kodesh Baruch Hu made a promise. And we say it every day in Shemun Esrei that only through Am Yisrael will these great ideas become discovered by the world, become clear to the world, become non-negotiable, become so trenched, so, so strong, and so, so um, blindingly true that they can no longer deny them. Only through the history of Am Yisrael and the Yeshuas of Am Yisrael and the great, incredible, dramatic story of Am Yisrael and the ultimate ge'ul of Amishol, only through Amishol and our story will these great truths ultimately make their way into the minds of humanity, only through us. When it says, Anochi Elcha Gamelo, we're saying, the Shechina is going to go down with you into Golas, and you're always going to be able to draw from it. But the Shechina is going to be in Golas. The world is not necessarily going to be aware of what you're aware of. But when you come out of Golis, then I'm going to come out of Golis too. I will only become known to the world in a clear way through you. So when you come out of Golis, that's when I come out of Golis. When you are able to go through this long journey and along the way through the evil, through the, the, through the all the broken, failed experiments of mankind and how to set up life, it will become apparent that there's only one true way when you go through this process and you are the ones who drive this, this process and through you, everyone will learn their lessons. When you, when this is all over and finally a Kaddish Baruch can be revealed, it will only be revealed through Am Yisrael. So look at the bracha we make every day. We say, Baruch HaTashem Elokeinu Elokei Avram, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov, first bracha in Shemun Esrei, HaKel, HaGadol, HaGibar, HaNora, Kel Elyon. I can't, we're not going through the whole bracha, but look at the last words. Umevi Goel brings Geula. Libnei Benehem to their descendants. Laman Shemo. Oh, I put the, the, the dash in the wrong place. Laman Shemo be Ahava. Hashem is going to bring Geula Tamishol. Wait, why? Laman Shemo for the, his own namesake. Like he's going to bring a Geula, do a big miracle to Amishol in order to show his name to the world finally. By the way, Shemo, the name of Hashem, that's the same thing we're talking about, the name of Hashem, to know what that means, okay? To know, to be able to read the words. Remember, we learned that the whole Torah is the names of Hashem. So clearly we have to have proper definitions to the words in the Torah to know Hashem, right? So is Hashem going to bring this great spectacular gula through Amishol in order to finally reveal himself to the world? Or 
is the emphasis on Ahava because of Hashem's great love for Amishol and our perseverance through Golas and our attaching to the Shekhinah and absorbing these ideas and internalizing them and living by them and dying for them because of love and appreciation, Hashem will bring us a Geula. Which one is it? Leman Shemo for his name or love for Amishol who, 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 who did this for so long, who played this role for so long, which Yaakov originally gives a Shlamim, meaning a agreement to play this role. And the answer is both. I think I, I've quoted this so many times that I realized that I don't even remember where I saw it. I think there's a sitter of Yaakov Emden. He says that the greatest act of love that you can possibly describe between Hashem and Amishol is Hashem made a promise that Hashem's name will not be revealed to the world in, through any other mechanism other than through Amishol's Geula. So Mevi Goel Libne Benehem brings Geula. Laman Shemo for his own, so his name will be revealed, but it's Ava for Amishol that will only be revealed through Amishol, period. There is no other way that the world is going to come to that final epiphany, that final you know, sense of truth, other than through Amishol's story. So Hashem says, when you come up, I come up. The main takeaway here, okay, is one of the aspects of the personal gullus is when we realize that we don't even know what we're talking about. We don't even know what these basic Jewish concepts mean. And these are, I'm talking about in the from world where you're listening to Shurim and people are throwing words around that if you try to think about them deeply, they don't have much meaning. We don't even know what they are. People think Yetzirah means that Hashem created some anti-God, enemy of God force that's trying to make you disobey and, and, and betray God. How could such a thing even exist? It's, it's like, it's, it's literally an Avodah thought. God created, said there's some other force in the world that's trying to compete with God, that's trying to make you fail. What does that even mean? What does it mean, Gehenim, that Hashem is angry and Hashem is going to punish us? If we're all part of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, Hashem is punishing himself? What does that mean? Rambam says in Hilchos Yisodei Torah that Hashem knows us because he knows himself because there's nothing that exists other than Hashem and we're just sort of a, a ex, we experience a so-called separate existence, but we're really not. We're totally part of Hashem's existence. So Hashem punishes himself. Hashem hates himself. Hashem is angry at himself. What does it all mean? Right? What does it all mean? So there's a form of gullus that it, it's very healthy to stop and say, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I don't even know what these Jewish words, these total, what these concepts mean. So I was thinking that part of our avoda to bring the geula is to learn the definitions of the words and use them correctly and try to um, enlighten other people with what the words mean. We're taking the words out of gullus. I was thinking that, you know, the reason I never end up finishing this curriculum I'm making is because I always change it. I always say, okay, so now I'm thinking that really what we need to do is a course on words. Torah, like the Milam chart we made, we made a Milam chart, but maybe there should be a series on words. And by the way, Ramam starts the whole Mornavuchim with words. He starts, it's all definitions because we cannot speak the same language and have a coherent conversation if we're not, if we don't understand the words the same way. If, you, if one person's definition of Olam Haba is, I don't know what, some sort of like happy place or everybody, I don't even know what people imagine. Somebody told me yesterday in class, I said, how do you think about the concept of 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the world. And she said, I don't know, but when I was a little child, I thought about Hashem as a dreidel that landed on hay. <laughs> no, it's okay. But even, even when we say Baruch HaTashem, if a person has an image of an old man on the throne, what do we mean when we say Kisei HaKavo? That is, there's a throne, Hashem is sitting on it. What, does the, what do these words mean? So Aravoda is, and we've been doing this a lot, is language taking language out of Gullus, using words correctly so that we can think correctly. That is a very noble avoda. Perhaps we will do, Amir Tashem, and I don't think here, but one of the Zoom series, just milim. What do, do words mean? And then once we have the, the definitions, you could go back to the Torah and to the Nevi'im and say, oh, okay, now I have a little sense of what they're trying to say. You know, and Judaism can become more relevant and more meaningful and more real and really speak to me, you know? And, the, and I wanna tell you something, Moshe Shapiro, every single shear that he ever gave, this is what Kiva Tats taught us one year on the trip, because I only know, you know, the ones I've seen, this is the case, but, I don't, but he gave so many shear. But Rabbi Kiva Tats said, every single shear Moshe gave always started with definitions, every time. What is the def shoresh and the root and what does the word mean? And Baruch Hashem, this has been our Mahalach in this class. And, um, and I feel that's why we could build so many solid foundations of Judaism, because we know what the words mean. So, Mir uh, we should be Zoha to take the language out of Golis and speak correctly and, um, and be able to be built up by knowing what things actually mean and how. And they become, as we said, much more relevant to us and much more transformative. Okay. Yes. Good question, Bobby Sandy. What does it mean they went down to the lowest level of Tuma? Excellent. So, Tame. First, let's define Tame. Tame, Atum, blocked. Okay, very important. So good. Such a good question. Sandy said, if the Shechina was with them, how did it happen? They were on the lowest level of Tumah. So number one, define Tumah. This Ramesha does this all the time. Atum means block. The muscle we give, very relevant to what we just learned. The fetus in the womb where the mechitza, the wall is so thick, you forget you're even part of something else. You're forgotten. So you think that the world is what it is, the way you see it around you. Now, in that world where it is Atum, that's what we're talking about, that the Shechina is there in this physical world and within the experiences that we're going through. Now, being on the 49th level of Tumma means that there was, that there, there, and this is what Rambam says, what we learned is um, that they almost lost the ideology of Avram. So we have to say that even though the Shechina is among them and, they're, and they could draw it in by osmosis, the threat of what was happening is they weren't doing that. They weren't doing that. They were losing connection to it. But because the Shechina is with us and because the Shechina has to come out of Golis, so Kodesh Baruch has to take Amishol out of Golis. Sometimes we can never be allowed. We have a promise. This is the promise. That we'll never get to the point where we get so disconnected that we lose our total identity, total attachment. Because Kodesh Baruch must, he remembers the bris, must, because the Shechina is there in this world, in the situation, all right. Therefore, Kodesh Baruch Hu, if he sees that it's deteriorating too much, 
Kaddish Baruch Hu must take us out of Golis, must, um, must free, so to speak, the Shechina, because for as, as we said, Hashem's name is tied to our name. So really what we're saying is the Shechina is with us. And that's why we ultimately have a guarantee and a proof that a Kodesh Baruch is going to take us out of Golis. Here? Ekesher Eke. Because there'll be a future. There'll be a future. But the, the fact that the Shechina is in the, is not, the fact that the Shechina is, take care everybody, it's late. The fact that the Shechina is meant to be discovered, okay, in our, in our normal, um, in our, through our experience, all right? And if, if, like we said, if that's, if that's at, if that's um, at risk, I'm trying to remember the, the source of this. Yeshaber said it. He said, we have a promise that a Kodesh Baruch Hu is going to take us out of Golis. We also have a prom. We also have, a, have some sort of promise or some sort of arrangement that Hashem will only take us out of Golis if we do tshuva, which is, by the way, what happened in the tribe when they took the, 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 when they took the set and they were willing to shecht it and they're willing to commit themselves to the concept of echad. So he says, so there's a guarantee that Hashem will set up the situation that we will do tshuva because there must be a geula. It's a guarantee of tshuva. And in Mitzrayim, what happens is because it was being so eroded, that's when he sent Moshe, comes with the mitzvahs of, of Pesach. They stand up, they uh, align themselves with the concept of echad by, by the whole carbon Pesach. And they, re, they find themselves. They find themselves in, in there. So... Um, but the women saw... The saw, yeah, they maintain the women can, can, can the women saw it. Yeah, yeah, the women were always stronger in perceiving the Shrina around them and that what they're part of. It's not a guarantee that, um, it's only a guarantee that us as a whole, but not an individual. Right. So the thing with that is, I mean, I'm just, I, I'm, I want to pursue this idea more, but, um, yeah, but here's the thing. The promise is that Dar Ravi Yeshuva Hena, that the fourth generation will return. So even if through the Gullus, through the Tumah, okay, people lose their interest or their awareness of the Shechina around them, and then they lose their identity. Once you lose your Shechina around, you know, concept of that there's, it's part, it's here, it's, you lose your identity. But we have a promise that that they, the child, the grandchildren, the fourth generation, will come back. That, that these people that drift away through the ages, their descendants come back. They find. We don't know who they are. They're coming back from previous generations. Yosef was the. Well, Futner says this. I'm going to end the meeting. I'm going to end the recording, but not the meeting. Okay, so you can listen in. Um, this is so funny. Let me end the recording. It's so funny. It's the same. Please, yeah. it's so odd. Okay, wait. I don't know. I can't do this. It's recording, but I can't. It's, it's not letting me stop the recording. That's so funny. Please ask the host to give you permission to record. All right, let me do this. Hold on. I don't see. I don't see how I can stop the recording. All right. Um, um, Rav Hutner said the following, that, you, that Avram, 
Very insightful. Avram is the first to become a Jew. Yitzchak is the first to establish you can be born a Jew. Yaakov is the first to establish that even if you sin, you remain a Jew. And Yosef will establish that we will not assimilate into oblivion, that there will always be Amisrael. And those that do assimilate, their descendants will come back. So we don't know how this works, We, but perhaps that's the gay room. Perhaps that's all, you know, we don't, perhaps in time of Mashiach, they'll all come back, you know, tons more. So there's no way to opt out into to ultimately opt out seems not to be the case yeah yeah something like that they have to pull it back they'll come back very nice beth said that the in alay the hay is a remez to yaakov in five generations will come back in any case the real choice is to know that the shekhin is around us the torah ideas are around us so it, when they say the Shekhinah left from that place, right? So now it's with us. In other words, there was more of an awareness of the great truths in the Beis Amigdash. You could go there, see miracles. You could just, it's, you could see it closer. But now the Shekhinah is with us, even with one person learning Torah, meaning that these ideas are around us, they surround us and we can draw them in. We might not get a direct message from God, but they're in the Torah and we can choose to learn them. And then they can have that effect of, of, of shaping our mindset, of shaping our, our perception, of influencing the way we see everything. Yeah. It's almost like in a mushal, instead of the nutrients coming, let's say it this way, coming through the umbilical cord, a mushal would be that they're in the amniotic fluid, so to speak. They're everywhere. You know, even if that cord is, so to speak, disconnected somewhat, or I'm, I'm trying to come up with a good mushal, but now they're. they're gal. That's a good point. Bobby Sandy saying Golis has gal, the waves. Driving them. Yes. Very interesting. Gal. Well, Golis is galo to reveal. It's gal. It's it's we did a whole long thing on 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 waves. Interesting. Interesting. After we have a lot to think about. A lot to think about. All right, everyone. Let me just see your notes here. How does Moshe's speech impediment and then his overcoming? Oh, it's perfect, Jackie. It's exactly perfect. When Moshe says "loish tevar manochi," it's exactly what's happening. He's not able to convey these great ideas to Amishol, and he's saying that, and um, he's saying, "I can't. I can't give them. I can't convey to them how to understand these basic, basic, great Jewish truths." Because Moshe, by the way, was so was so different than everybody. He was so clear. He had asked about Mira. He said, I don't have the language to bring it to them in a state of lack of clarity. And Hashem says, I'm going to help you with that. Um, what's this? Clarifying that which distinguishes us as human beings is the ability to speak. And as I'm sure that our language, the ability beyond all other languages, very nice. Moshe, Veromamtanu, beautiful, beautiful. So as Hashem's far, we must understand the use and elevate our language. Beautiful, Moshe. It's a hurdle we've done in the past a lot. How are we to understand our partnership with Hashem and Amishol, as opposed to the relation of Vino Malkinu as a child and a subject, a partner? So an, a father and a king. Very good question, Moshe. You know, the relationship between a child, a parent and a child, and, you know, that has the king relationship and the father relationship. You see, when we raise our kids, it's... We blend the two. We, we do blend the fear, so to speak, and the love. But how? If a parent says, you better go to sleep because I'm the parent and I said so, otherwise you're getting punished. 
There's no love there. But if you say, I want you to go to sleep on time so you have good habits so that when you're an adult, you can be on the top of your game and you'll have good habits. So I'm doing this because I love you. Then there's rules, obedience, and love and appreciation built on top of it. But it always has to be for the best interest of the child. That's when you can lay your love and appreciation on obedience. But it's not that sort of fear. It's a different, it's the awe. Okay. Um, um, yes, Zisi, very good. So yes, so much of the Corbin is miscommunication, misunderstandings. Exact. Okay. Yeah, you could go through the Milim chart, everyone, and tell me what you want to add to it. Absolutely. Okay, everyone. See you later.